Good morning, everybody. So good to be with you this morning. We are two weeks away from in-person worship here on a Sunday morning, y'all. I'm excited. I hope you are too. I can't wait to finally see your smiling faces on a Sunday morning, or I guess I'll assume that your faces are smiling, but I'm going to be excited to see you. This is week two of our series, Grace is Greater, where we are taking a deep dive into grace. And we're really leaning into this verse in Romans chapter 5 that says this, uh, even greater is God's wonderful grace. This says grace is greater. Grace is greater. And last week, I really encouraged you not to just hear grace explained over this series, but to open your heart to experience grace. Grace is so much better experienced than it is explained. And, and I want you to have grace run to you and grace run through you. And so I gave you an exercise. I, I said, um, where, I, I gave you an equation actually with a blank in it. And I said, I want you to fill in this blank. I said, where do you need to experience God's grace being greater? As I said, ask yourself, is there a mistake that I've made? Is there a friendship or relationship that I have that's hurting? Is there a weakness that I've been scared to expose? Is there some part of my life that is missing the grace of God to, to fill in the blank with that one thing and to say, God, would you show me that your grace is greater? You know, some of you did that exercise and filled in the word hurt. And um, maybe it's not just a generic hurt. Actually, I'm sure it's not. Uh, I'm sure that there is a situation or um, a relationship. Maybe it's something that started small and got bigger. Maybe it's a huge pain that you've been carrying around for a long, long time. But here's what I want you to know today. Here's what we're going to talk about. Grace is greater than your hurt. I believe that. Jesus believes that. And I, I'd ask you, let's, let's pray as we open up the word and, and hear what he has to say about that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you this time this morning. We give you our hearts. We give you our hurts. And as you um, speak to us as you did 2,000 years ago in Matthew 18, would you, would you help this text to come alive? Would you step us into this scene right next to Peter, right next to those disciples, and, and, and just help us to see what you have to say in our hearts and minds? Lord, I pray over the person this morning that really needs to believe that your grace is greater than your hurt. You know who that is, Lord. You know who those people are. By the power of your Spirit, minister to their hearts and minds today. May my words bless you, Lord, and honor you, and may all of us honor you and be pleasing in our sight. Jesus, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right. Matthew 18 is where we're going, starting in verse 21, going to work all the way to 35. But 1821, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and Peter comes up to Jesus, and he's got a question. This is what he says. Lord, 
How many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? How many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against, against me? Up to seven times, Jesus? Now, you might not immediately see this come out of the text, but this mass stuff that I'm trying to insert into your faith, this greater sign, right? I'm not just forcing that. It's kind of actually there. Peter is actually setting up a math equation, a greater than equation, and he's very specifically trying to figure out what's greater than grace. And here's his equation that he's asking Jesus. Is seven greater than grace? Is seven times wrong done against me greater than grace? Is seven when I don't have to forgive anymore, Jesus? And when Peter actually asks this question and gives this answer, he's probably actually feeling pretty good about himself. He's thinking, I'm being pretty darn forgiving. Seven times I'm willing to forgive. Uh, and most of the rabbis at this time had actually answered this question, and it was more generous than those rabbis had given because they had actually said you needed to forgive three times. Three times someone wrongs you, you forgive it. Fourth strike, you're out is kind of how it had been. So here's Peter asking Jesus this question that was familiar, saying seven times, and he's thinking, you know, he's proud of himself. I'm a pretty gracious dude, right? He's, he's probably thinking Jesus is going to give him a pat on the back and be like, yeah, Peter, you are such a good-hearted, gracious disciple. John, do you see how gracious Peter is over here, right? This is what Peter's imagining in his mind. It doesn't actually work out that way. We'll talk about it in a minute. But there's also another way, another thing that we might see happening here. Maybe this isn't a random number for Peter at all. And maybe this isn't a random question. It's not just Peter, the seminary student, thinking about a hypothetical theological issue. Maybe this is very real for Peter. And he's experienced a hurt and a pain, not once, not twice, but perhaps seven times. And maybe there's a, a face and a very real feeling that he's dealing with. And Peter wants to walk away. He wants to be done. And maybe when you think of it like that, you think about your own life, maybe you might ask Jesus the same specific question. Maybe you have a name and a face. Maybe you have not seven, but a logbook of hurts. And maybe you're tired and you're done, and you want to walk away, you don't want to wrestle anymore, you think there's got to be some limit to the point at which I have to keep giving grace. Some degree of pain at which I don't have to forgive anymore. Some, some point at which actually the equation changes. And that's what we're doing when we're asking this question. We're actually saying, when is hurt greater than grace? When is my hurt enough that I don't need to wrestle with grace and forgive anymore? What do you think the answer is? Jesus uh, has an answer to that question. This is what he says to Peter in the passage. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 
How many times should I forgive? Not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. I want to be really clear. Jesus isn't saying a literal 77 times. Like, that's the limit. Like, that's the number in the math equation. 77 there is a figure of speech. And it's basically saying, no, 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 there is no limit to God's grace. Jesus is flipping this equation back to where he wants it, where he says grace is greater than your hurt. Seven times, 77 times, 777 times. It's always greater than your hurt. Grace is always greater. And let that sink in for a moment. Jesus is saying grace is always greater than your hurt. You know, I started reflecting um, on this and actually talked about it with my growth group a little bit a few weeks ago, but um, in years of living as a human being and also as a pastor walking alongside other human beings, I think I've kind of started to think about forgiveness in different categories in almost like levels uh, of forgiveness, levels of grace required in forgiveness. And I want to just share three of them that come to mind. Here's the first that I might suggest. Forgiveness as forbearance. Forgiveness as forbearance is level one forgiveness. And um, forbearance is kind of an older word. Uh, we don't really use it that much, but it really means to like, to, to bear something for a while. Um, it's like to not respond how you could respond, to not let something that hurts you hurt you. And, and I, I think that when it really comes to like um, a first key level of forgiveness, that, that, that's it. it. It's to say when something hurts, I'm not going to let this hurt. I'm, I'm not going to choose to let this bother me or, or root itself in my life, if you think back to last week's passage. And, and um, you know, there's so many things that happen in our lives day to day through people we know and don't know. People say something and they mean it to be mean or they're gossiping and it ends up being mean or they don't even mean it to be mean. And, and there's something that, that we feel a pain with um, but what grace is at the first level is like saying, no, like, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm not going to let it be more than it, than it needs to be. I'm just going to, I'm just going to knock it down. I'm looking past it. I'm forbearing it. Right? It's almost like, it's almost like during the day, it's like whack-a-mole with your pain, right? Like, it's like, she said, what about me? Right? bam, and you just knock it down. Nope, not happening, right? Right? He, he didn't do that. He, I, he still hasn't done that, right? Bam, right? And, and you just like, nope, I'm not, I'm going to forgive it. I'm, I'm going to move on, right? Uh, she got upset about what, right? Like, it, it's, it's saying, I, I'm choosing not to let that be anything more. Um, I'm, I'm not going to, going to deal with it. And, uh, and it, it reminds me of a passage in Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, 
rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, right? It's Paul saying, look, like this stuff, just get rid of it. Rid yourself of it. It's almost like he's saying, don't, don't let it be more than it needs to be. Just, just move it on. It's, it is forgive and in some ways forget, okay? But here's the thing. Back to that same verse. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of, of malice. If we're honest and we read that, a lot of us think all bitterness, like all all rage, all anger, right? Like, that sounds nice, Paul. David, that sounds nice, but like, I can't, I can't just rid myself of that easy. I can't just like let that stuff go. A lot easier said than done. And I want to say I get that. Um, I, I really do. Um, I, I understand that there are people that bother us and there are histories sometimes. And when it's that person, it's hard to let that thing go, right? But it, it, the, the other thing that some of us might say is maybe we don't feel like we're ready to forgive, right? If we're being honest, we want to forgive, but man, our, our hearts are just not there. The bitterness just brews. I don't feel like I can forgive. I don't feel it. And I, I want to say something that... Um, I think it's true and it's hard and you may not like this. I know I don't actually like it, but it's still true. But um, sometimes forgiveness is a choice more than a feeling. Forgiveness is often much more a choice than a feeling. And you just choose it. This is level one forgiveness. You just choose it. If you wait to forgive until you feel like it, it could be a while. Good luck with that. I think obedience to Jesus means sometimes we just choose to not let this bother us and to not let this grow, which leads me to the second level of forgiveness. Forgiveness as obedient release to God. Forgiveness is release to God, okay? I imagine some of you have heard of Joyce Meyer before. Um, I, I don't actually know a lot about Joyce Meyer, a little bit, but I know she wrote a book called Beauty for Ashes, and in it she tells um, some of her personal story about how when she was actually um, a very young girl, her, her own father started sexually abusing her. And that continued until she was 18 years old and she left home. Um, and uh, years later, when Joyce started to uh, really embrace um, her faith and deeply want to follow Jesus, she kind of realized that she, she needed to start this journey of healing and that forgiveness was going to be a really important part of it. That if she didn't deal with this pain, it was going to imprison her. And so she uh, did a lot of praying and a lot of thinking. And she actually reached out to her father and told him, I forgive you. Her father denied anything ever happened. And I, I'm going to pause at her story 
there. I'm going to actually pick it up later. But I, I bring that up to say um, sometimes when we have incredible hurts, um, forgiveness is a journey with twists and turns we really can't anticipate and oftentimes don't go the way they should or we want them to or we need them to. And um, it's... It, it, Forgiveness is sometimes something that, that just seems so far from what we feel like can actually happen, so difficult, and it's just, it's just really tough. Um, and and we, the, the wounds are so deep. And while I do believe the goal for us is to, is, is to forgive and to keep trying to forgive, even in situations like that, I think sometimes the best next step may not be us going to our Father again and saying, I forgive you. But, but if the pain is so deep, it's actually learning to release it and that forgiveness over to God. Like you're saying, God, I need you to forgive them. God, I'm not there yet. I'm working on it, but I, but I offer them to you. I, I ask you to forgive them. You're releasing them to God. And, and I'll tell you, there's even actually a couple of instances in the scripture where um, there's, there's examples of this. Stephen and his stoning and Acts. But I'd point you to Jesus on the cross. Little detail I actually picked up on this last year. When Jesus is sitting there and he's, and he's dying and he's looking over all these people who nailed him onto that cross and chose his death, and he deserved not any bit of it. He doesn't actually say, I forgive you, for you know not what you do. He actually first says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's speaking to God, not directly to them. And, and I think that sometimes that's the route we need to go when those pains are so deep, sometimes that's where we need to start. Forgiveness is releasing people to God. Here's the third level. Forgiveness with the hope of reconciliation. Forgiveness with the hope of reconciliation. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but um, sometimes when we're able to actually get some healing from our hurt, when we're not bleeding anymore, we may have some scars, they may have an effect on our life, but, but the wound is, is manageable, right? I think, um, I think we can actually get to the point where we can forgive and deal with some potential pain in hopes of, of reconciliation. Um, if you actually read Joyce Meyer's story, uh, what happens is although she has that horrible at the long end of a horrible situation with her father that I just shared with you, at the end of his life, um, she had been extending him grace with the hope of reconciliation, continued offers and instances of grace, and she, he actually reaches out to her, confesses his wrongdoing, and, and, and they have a restored relationship. He actually comes to faith. And I know, I, look, I know that's not always possible. It always takes two people 
to reconcile, and sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, but I think, I deeply do believe that the goal of our grace is often to extend the opportunity for healing and reconciliation. And I think as Christians, that's where we always want to be striving to be, even with depths of hurt, to hold out that hope for restoration, for reconciliation, because that's what Jesus did for us, which is kind of what I want to keep talking about. Back to our passage. So Jesus has responded to Peter with this incredible answer. Grace is always greater, always greater. And now he actually tells us a story that helps us understand why and how it can be greater than our pain. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So Jesus is telling a parable here to help us understand forgiveness and um, he sets up this, this picture, this story of, to put it in today's term, like a, a high-powered CEO, a very powerful businessman who one day is like, I need some liquid cash. I'm, I'm going to collect on my debts. And so he opens up his accounts, and he looks into them, and he finds this person who owns 10,000 talents, a servant who, who owes 10,000 talents. And just to kind of put that into today's terms, because none of us are paid in talents anymore, um, uh, uh, 10,000 talents is basically monopoly money. It's like $150 million by the estimates of some scholars. Like, that's like winning the Powerball, right? Um, this is a ridiculous amount of money, and that's kind of Jesus's point. Uh, this is a debt that nobody is supposed to ever be able to pay. And so what, what, does, this, what does the CEO do? Well, here's this debt. He needs to collect it. How are you going to do it? He says, well, you, he orders that the, man, that the man and his wife and his kids be sold, um, be sold to repay the debt, which uh, today is um, illegal, but back then was uh, actually not an uncommon way to handle these things. People would sell themselves into indentured servitude to pay off massive debts they had no other way to pay. But clearly, this is an absolutely horrible situation. Okay, but here's the thing. Parables are never about the story being told. They're really always reflections, mirrors that we look into to see ourselves in our own lives. And Jesus is, is actually trying to help us see ourselves in this story of grace. And, and, and what he's saying is, um, I am the king. I am the master, you are the servant. And there's a debt that I could call into account that you could never pay, right? And, and if you know Christian theology, what Christians believe, this is what we believe is our sin, 
and the consequences of human sin in the world that we, we personally contribute to every time we lie and we cheat and we steal and we turn away from God's best for us. Um, and this is, these are the consequences that have broken our, our world today. And, and God is saying things are so broke, the sin is so deep, death is, is something that there is no cure for, that, that there's a debt here you can't pay, that there's, there's something that you have no way to deal with, right? So, um, so what, is, what is Jesus aiming at here? He's actually trying to help us see our need for grace, which is where he, which is where he goes next in this passage. The servant fell on his knees before him, sees his debt. He says, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. It's interesting. The, he says that, but the master knows there's no way he can do this. There's no way he could do this. Uh, but what is God's heart? What is it that Jesus wants us to see here? His grace. Verse 27, the, mas- the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is a story of grace. This is God's forgiveness of our huge, insurmountable debt. There are two verbs used actually in that parable where it says he canceled the debt and let him go. Canceled the debt is one verb, let him go is another verb, but actually both of those verbs could be uh, translated well forgiven. He was forgiven and forgiven, right? And, and what Jesus is, is saying is, this is what God has done for you. What that verse in Romans said, this is what God has done for us through Jesus when he died on the cross. This is a picture of grace that God wants us to know. And remember, the original question was, how many times should I keep forgiving? The answer is, I've, I've kept forgiving. I, I forgave a, a, a debt you could never pay. So you, you should too. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving, right? That's, that's Jesus' answer. Keep forgiving. And you know, I could stop here. I could end our message here for today. And I've been going quicker, shorter sermons lately. You're welcome, right? But I want to actually say not today, all right? Uh, Because here's what I know right now is that some of you are sitting in your seats and this isn't sitting well. Actually, you might be feeling a little bit defensive um, because you're struggling to really... with what Jesus is saying, with what he's asking us to do here. Maybe on some level, intellectually, you want to believe that grace is greater. You want to have like this bitterness and this baggage gone, but you just, you just, it's, you just can't get there. The hurt still seems so painful. And I want to say in no way am I'm trying to dismiss that pain. Like, I don't know what you've, what what you carry. I don't know what's been done to you. I don't understand your hurt, your betrayal. Um, and, and I also want to say I'm sorry. I, I hope you hear that. But I also want to say to you, 
what I think Jesus is saying to us in this passage. Don't ever stop trying when it comes to forgiveness, okay? Would you at least be willing to try? Would you, by God's grace, be willing to give grace? Because almost in anticipation of this struggle that we would have, Jesus continues teaching in this parable. He could have stopped. Actually, we all would have just been done with this if he stopped, but, but he, he goes on. And I think it's because he's addressing this thing in our hearts. He says this, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's not a lot of money. It's not. Not anything like uh, 10,000 talents. So less money. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. And he said, pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Actually, that's the exact same thing that this servant had just said to his master in the passage before. That's what this guy is now saying to him. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay this debt. Okay, just pause here. So now Jesus is telling us that what happened after this man received incredible, insurmountable grace. He went out and for something so much smaller gave zero grace at all. He, he choked him. Uh, he choked him. And he said, give me this small amount of money. And, and, and he, he offered no grace and no mercy, right? And, and that's the story that Jesus is telling. He, he continues, verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which would have been never. Last verse. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You know, oftentimes when Jesus tells parables, um, we have to do a little work to understand what he's saying, or um, he kind of leaves us hanging um, so we can piece through the nuances and, and kind of work through some of the points. Um, parables are sometimes vague. We don't get them right away. But this one, I don't think there's any question what Jesus means here. What's at the heart of what he's saying at the end? Because he says it. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Look, I know this is a really hard verse. And I know that maybe we want to push back and say, like, what? Like, are you really telling me that if I don't forgive the person who abused me or betrayed me or cheated me or abandoned me, that God won't forgive me? 
And I, I hear that. I, I hear the feeling behind it. And I would just say, I, what does Jesus say here? Okay, I'm not saying this. this is, these are Jesus' words. And, and, and what does Jesus say here, right? Even about our deepest wounds, the, 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 this objection that we bring up, what he's saying is, I've forgiven you this massive, massive debt that you could never repay. I forgave you. I will forgive you. I will always forgive you. So what he's saying is, can't you do the same? Won't you do the same? Don't you know that the grace you've received is always going to be greater than the grace that I'm going to help you give, right? I know that this is not that simple. I know that this isn't fair, but grace is never fair. And y'all, that's Jesus' point. Okay, where are you? After you hear all this, after you wrestle with Jesus' words this morning, does your hurt still feel greater than grace? I want to just say again, will, would you be willing to try to flip that equation, to let Jesus flip that equation? Will you let grace sink in and change your equations. I'm praying by the grace of God that you will. Would you pray with me now, Lord Jesus? I want to hold up the things that are, that are heavy on hearts this morning. Lord, I want, to, I want to pray wisdom into those things. I want to pray words of wisdom uh, into knowing how to move if there are folks this morning that want to move. Lord, um, I want to I pray hope. I want to pray resiliency so that people um, who walk on this journey of forgiveness that's so hard, Lord, would, would, would walk by the power of the Spirit with the stamina of hope. And Lord, I, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would, you would soften our hearts. You would help us release and forgive and deal with our hurts by your grace, Lord, so that we would truly understand what it is that we have received and embrace it and love it. Lord, and I pray if there's someone listening this morning, and if that's you, listen up. If you've never known the grace of God and the forgiveness that he gave us through his son's death on the cross, I, I say right now you can make a decision to, to receive it, to know it, so you can give it, Lord. Uh, would you pray with me these words if that's you, Lord? I know I have a huge debt. I could never repay. I repent of my sins. I receive your grace. I follow you, Jesus, as my Lord from this day forth. Amen. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to help you take next steps. If you could just text the word follow to the number on your screen. 
we want to help you walk in a path of grace. And, and y'all, um, I pray that you are opening your lives to God's grace and experiencing it these days. I hand it over to